This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Why don't you open your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, and I'm going to start reading from verse 14. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I want to speak this morning on something that I believe will be very powerful in changing your life. And I've titled it, You'll Find Him in Righteousness. You'll find him in righteousness. If you can come into agreement with God, things happen. If you can come into agreement with God, things happen. It was a young girl. Excited. Getting married. Had her plans. And an angel walks into her life. And the angel walks in and says, Mary, I've got some good news for you. And the angel begins to share with her the good news. And he waits to see what her response is. And she says, so be it unto me according to your word. What happened? She heard the good news. And what she did is she began to change the way that she thought so that it formed a new belief on the inside of her. And in that space, she was able to come into agreement. And she said, yes, that's what I'm agreeing with. And when she changed her paradigm in the way that she was thinking, all of a sudden something began to happen. And the Holy Spirit came upon her. And when she came, the Holy Spirit came upon her, she conceived in herself. She didn't just conceive flesh and blood. But she conceived something that was of the Spirit. What was growing on the inside of her was 100% God and 100% man. And what she gave birth to was Jesus. When Jesus walked along and Jesus lived his life, he was modeling for us what it was to be fully God and fully human. What he was saying to us was, you have no concept what you see in. You have no idea what's coming down the way. But if you pay attention to my life, I want you to take note of certain things. I'm modeling certain realities for you because there's going to come a time and a day where flesh and blood is going to be inhabited by the presence of God. And you're going to find yourself in the same place that I am. And in that point, you're going to have to make some decisions about how you live your life. Jesus modeled for us what it was. To manifest the divine. I'm flesh and blood. But I don't live from that place. I live from a different place. I live from a place that's defined by the life that's on the inside of me. And so every time he came in contact with people. Their lives changed. Every time circumstances and situations that were against what he was all about. Came into his presence. And he moved into that space. Things happened. His life was characterized by the supernatural. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 says, As he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. What it's saying is, everything that you've seen modeled for you, I want you to elevate it. I want you to bring it back on the stage. Because I want you to become aware of the fact that you are a partaker of his divine nature. 
The very life that defined his existence and who he was is the life that's come and it's, live on the, and it's living on the inside of you. And so it affects us in ways. We have a church that's too comfortable. Not living faith. I hear from too many people, it's not comfortable here. But the church in general is so comfortable. We want to be so seeker friendly. We want to tell you how your life is going to be so fabulous and how God's going to change it. And how all the blessings and all the grace and everything is there for you. But we never speak about the price. Because people might not want to hear that. People want to hear about the blessings without the cost. But Jesus says, you've been bought with a price. I don't have the luxury to to decide how I want to live my life. I have a responsibility to the one who owns me. To sit and say, I to take charge of discovering what it is to live with the life of God inside of me. It's not because I feel like it or because I want to or because it's to my benefit, although it may be for all of those things, but it's because I've been bought with a price. It cost him everything to get you to that place. And what he says to you us is this, I've given you everything. I've given you the abundance of grace. How are you going to steward it? How are you going to steward it? Everything that you could need has been provided for you. How do we steward that? It's designed to change us in who we are. It's designed to fundamentally introduce us to a new way of living. It needs to be something that comes into my life and begins to inform the way that I live so when people look at me, they don't just see flesh and blood, but there is something about you that is uncharacteristically human. It's something that's more, that transcends what I can see or feel. What is that about you? It's the great one on the inside of me. But I've got to give expression to him. He's got to find a way to come out. There are lots of Christians who have everything that God's provided for them living on the inside of them. But they're ordinary. The charge that Jesus says is I never called you to be ordinary. Ordinary is to live life like everybody else. Ordinary is to rest on your own capabilities and what it is that you can do. My own skill set and my hard work. and my, It's all of those things. And it's not to say that those things are necessarily bad. But the problem with it is it's ordinary because it's natural. What is it about you that makes you characteristically supernatural? Can I see that in your life? It needs to change who I am. You can have everything. You can have everything and feel as though you have nothing. Paul was an esteemed man. He was a reverenced man in his community. He was an elevated person because he was a person from a religious point of view. People looked at him and he had insight and he had know-how. And if you wanted to know what this meant, if you needed an interpretation of that, if you wanted to understand God, go and ask Paul. Because he knows. 
in the temple. He was an esteemed person. And yet he met Jesus one day. And as a result of that encounter, he said, everything that I am and everything that's defined me, everything that I've accomplished and everything that I know, all of my skills, all of my abilities, all of my intellectual prowess, everything that used to be about who I was, I count as junk. Why? Because I'm in pursuit of to know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to know about this life that's on the inside of me. I don't just want to know about it, but I want to know how I'm able to walk into it. Don't just give me a revelation of it, but I need to have the power that comes with it so that it becomes transformational. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Jesus is walking and Jesus says, repent, believe, for the kingdom is at hand. Repent, believe, for the kingdom is at hand. Life is easy in retrospect. Situations are easy in retrospect. And sometimes you have to go through some stuff and you don't really understand what's going on and things seem murky and things seem dusty and things seem hazy and things seem a little bit all over the place. But you get to the other side and all of a sudden there's clarity. And you go, I know what that was about. I couldn't see it when I was going in it. I couldn't see it because there was so much stuff. But I stood the course. I did what I needed to do. And I got to the other side. And in retrospect, I have a look and I say, I get it now. I get it. They didn't know what was happening because Jesus hadn't died yet. And they're hearing what he's saying, but they don't have a revelation of it. Because it was only as a result of the death and the resurrection that the kingdom would arrive. But he was calling people to repentance. He was saying to them, I want you to come to a place where you change your thinking where you reestablish those things that form the foundation of your life, that, are, that introduce you to what it is to live as a kingdom citizen. He says a few things in there that are really fundamental, and they touch on some of the key points and probably the three most important attributes. Didn't say all-inclusive, but three of the most important attributes of what it is to be a Christian. He speaks about the idea... Righteousness. I'm going to introduce the kingdom. The kingdom speaks about the reign and rule of Christ. It's talking about, in a perfect world, what God's design is for living. It's the good news. Believe the good news. The good news gives definition as to what righteousness is. The moment that you got born again, sorry, my, this clip keeps coming down. The moment that you got born again, you became as righteous as you're ever going to be. You will never become more righteous than that. You are either pregnant or you're not. There's no half measure. You're either married or you're not. There's no half measure. The fact of the matter is, when you became righteous, you are as righteous as you will ever be. The challenge with it is this, is that the righteousness exists on the inside of me. And who I am in Christ is a brand new creation. The challenge that I have is I'm still living some things out here that are not representative of who he is. 
It's not representative of a lifestyle or a character that reflects righteousness on the inside of me. So what he's doing is he's sitting saying to me, I want to migrate your life from where it is, from those aspects that are outside of my design, and I want to take you back to the place called righteousness, my perfect design for your life. And what he's put in place in order for us to do that is something called repentance. You see, repentance comes from the Greek word metanoia. And what it means is it's to change your thinking. It's to change your thinking. What he's saying is, when you begin in the process of changing your thinking, things will start to happen. Why? Because God's presence and God's anointing is going to be found when you step into the place of righteousness, not outside of that. The problem with it is, I want to live in this space over here which is not defined by righteousness. And the problem with it is that there's no presence here. I've got ability I've got talent, I've got experience, I've got know-how, I've got control, I've got a whole bunch of stuff that I can manage. The challenge with it is, is that there's no presence because it's not God's design. So the challenge with it is I'm looking for God's intervention in a space where he's not standing. And what he's saying is, repent. Change your mind, change your thinking. Because if you can get your thinking grounded and rooted and established in righteousness, what will happen is transformation will take place. Why? Because you're going to find him in righteousness. And where he is, his presence is. Where his presence is, the power is. And where the power is, things happen. Christians want to know why things are not happening in their life. Because I'm not grounded and rooted in righteous living, righteous thinking. I am fully righteous in who I am as a person. But it needs to extend beyond that. That's why it speaks about the fact that be not conformed but be transformed. Be made new by the renewing of your mind. Be made new as a result of repentance. What he's saying is every time you change your thinking from where you are, every time you change your thinking from what you're established in, any time you change thinking from everything that's defined you and you sit and say, I want to have right thinking, righteous thinking, thinking that lines up with God's thinking, all of a sudden things happen. Righteousness doesn't get you born. Uh, repentance doesn't get you born again. Jesus got you born again. Righteousness. Uh, repentance doesn't get you born again. Jesus got you born again. Repentance is sitting saying, I recognize what Jesus has done for me. I'm at a place in my life where I've encountered the good news. And when I encountered the good news, I realized that part of the good news was that my sins were forgiven. And all of a sudden, what began to affect me was the good news. It began to change my thinking. I got to the place where I said, I don't see myself as a sinner anymore. I see what Jesus has done for me. And as a result of what Jesus has done for me, I'm changing my thinking about that. And I'm moving myself to a place where I I change my thinking about salvation. What happens when you change your thinking about salvation? What ends up happening is resurrection power comes in. And when resurrection power comes in, I become a brand new creation. What got it going? Jesus paid the price. 
I recognized what he did and I began to change my thinking from where I was to a thinking that was in right standing with who, where he was. When my thinking is right, it opens the door for the power of God to come in. When my thinking is right, resurrection power comes in. And when resurrection power comes in, what ends up happening is things change and I become a brand new creation. Why is resurrection power important? Because resurrection power is what transforms me and changes my position. I was a sinner, but now I'm saved by grace. I'm a brand new creation. I'm a brand new creation. Something I want to tell you about that. The central challenge of the gospel is to repent and allow the good news to define us. When we, when we get into the word of God, what the word of God does for us is it starts to give us definition and an understanding as to what God's right position is on things anytime I get into the word of God it moves me to a place where I begin to gain some understanding about those things and the central call of the good news of the gospel is to allow that to come in and to give definition to who I am because it changes my thinking and when my thinking changes and my thinking lines up with right thinking the power comes in and when the power comes in transformation takes place We all have, have a passion and an interest in different things. And you'll find that in most cases, your gifting lines up with your passion. God wants you to do certain things. Some people are electricians. Some people like being plumbers. Other people are teachers. Some people are lawyers. You can do what you want to do. Point is this. In our journey through life, we begin to discover who I am and what I can do. And to a greater or lesser degree, it puts me at a place where I can begin to accomplish. And I supplement that by going out and getting education and by getting training and by letting people have influence in my life. So it elevates my position. And every time my position is elevated and every time my position changes, I move to a new space where invariably, because I'm a person who has more to offer, the reward is increased. But it's common practice for us as born-again believers to still have a look at my work and my profession as my provision. And the challenge within that is that we find ourselves at a place where our thinking when it comes to provision is outside of God's design. You see, when you encounter Jehovah Jireh, my provider, something happens. 
When you encounter Jehovah Jireh, what God says is, I really don't mind where you are. And it's quite inconsequential how much you know. And I really don't know anything and I'm not all that interested in where you are and what your accolades are, what your titles are, what your position is. What I'm wanting to introduce you to is the fact that I can be the one who can provide for you in every circumstance, in every situation, in every need. What is he doing? He's taking the good news of the gospel and he's giving it to us. And when we digest the good news of the gospel, what ends up happening is I'm starting to consider that and I'm starting to think about it. And my thinking is starting to change from seeing my job and my work and my everything else as my source to a place where I'm beginning to recognize Jehovah Jireh as the one who can provide for me in every circumstance and situation. I'm beginning to shift and what ends up happening is I move to a place where my thinking lines up. It steps into righteous thinking. It's the right thinking that God wants. Nothing else provides for me except for him. And he may use other channels to do that. But when I'm grounded and I'm rooted in that thinking, I'm rooted in a place where what ends up happening is I can experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I'm my thinking and who I am when it comes to prosperity and provision in my life lines up with God's. And the minute that I can get to that place, it'll transform me and change me and begin to affect some, some things in my life and move me to places that I can't do by, by myself. It's a big shift because the problem with it is we're so comfortable living in the natural. We're so comfortable with our ability to control things. We're so comfortable with our inputs. We're so comfortable being able to manage results. We're so comfortable. But to move into God's paradigm, sometimes you've got to let some stuff go. The reason we let that stuff go is because he's not there. It totally falls on me and my abilities to deliver. And what he's introducing me to is co-labor with me. Move to the place where you are led by him. And then what ends up happening is when you're grounded and rooted in that place, the power of God comes in and transformation and things begin to take place as a result of his influence. I'm living the supernatural life. I'm living the supernatural life. told about tithing I believe in tithing but tithing is dangerous now everybody's listening because you see tithing was part of the old covenant tithing was part of the law people had to tithe because that's what you did but we're not part of the old covenant anymore we're part of the new covenant And as part of the new covenant, what God introduces us to is the fact that you should be a giver. And as a giver, what you do is you take the things that he's blessed you with and you use that to be able to benefit the lives. And that includes tithing. But the point is I don't do it because I'm expected to do it. I do it because I've moved to a place where I recognize what it is to live in his design design to be a giver. I've changed my thinking about how I handle money, how I handle my assets, how I handle who I am, how I handle what he's entrusted to me. And I recognize that when I live from that place of being a giver, all of a sudden I position myself in right standing. And when I position myself in right standing, what ends up happening is give and it will be given unto you. Why? Because it's a supernatural principle that kicks in. But it doesn't work when I'm living from legalism over here. And it's like, here's the basket, here's my check. There's nothing spiritual. I'm nowhere in a place where I'm sitting saying, I've changed everything. I see life differently. Why? Because I'm in a space where I find him. 
And when I find him, I find the anointing. And as a result of that, I'm doing things with the expectation of change, of influence. One of the most fantastic things we have in this day and age is the healthcare system, doctors, surgeons, nurses. We've made so many advancements. And it's good, and it's really important. Make use of doctors. It's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Go for it. But is it God's perfect design? What he wants you to, to introduce you to is the fact that every time you have sickness or disease, he wants you to recognize that he is your healer. He wants to introduce himself as Jehovah Rapha. He says, come over here. Let's change your thinking. I know you're comfortable because you can go into the doctor. I know you're comfortable because you can pop a pill. I know it's easy and convenient because everything's around you. And you could do that. Or would you like to step over here and start to change your thinking a little bit? Where it sits and says, you know what? Father, you are my healer. Everything that Jesus has provided for, for me is available to me. And as a result of that, I can live from a different place. But when my thinking begins to line up with God, I live from right thinking. And when I live from right thinking, I live in the expectation that the power is going to be there. And when resurrection power comes into healing, things happen. challenge we have is that we live in a society of such abundance in every area and the problem with it is I can deal with so many of my needs naturally that's why it speaks about in Matthew chapter 19 it's difficult for a wealthy man to enter the kingdom of heaven he's not talking about riches he's talking about people who are able to get their needs met outside of God Anytime you're able to get your needs met comfortably outside of God, there is no hunger necessarily to sit and say, you know what, I want to develop something more. I can do this, but I've been bought with a price. He paid the price so that he could be my deliverer. He paid the price so that he could be my healer. He paid the price so that he could be my, my uh, provision. He paid the price for everything. I can get it taken care of out there. We often wonder why we see so much more of the spirit of God in third world nations. Because you can't get it out there. And if you can't get it through God, it's not coming. Because it builds a hunger inside of people. It's like, "Mm, I just don't have that headache pill. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? key to life the key to life is not running from sin it's trusting Jesus we live in a lot we live in a world where there is a lot of religious teaching and all they want to do is drive people away from sin driving people away from sin is not the answer taking people to Jesus is the answer When you take people to Jesus, what ends up happening is everything changes in its entirety. Everything begins to change in its entirety. And then we begin to recognize that when we talk about an idea like repentance, repentance really hasn't got to do with my initiating something. 
It has to do with my responding to what he has done. Repentance has to do with recognizing grace and sitting saying, what does grace say in my situation? What does grace speak about in where I find myself right now? How do I respond to that appropriately? How do I make changes and adaptations to what I'm thinking right now so that I can allow the presence to come in because I'm moving into a space of right thinking? I'm changing all the time. It's always in response to what Jesus has provided for us. And if that's true, what it really means is repentance is not as much about sin as it is about faith. Repentance is not as much about sin as it is about faith. You see, if repentance was about sin, what it says is all you need to do is get away from this place. But when it becomes about faith, what it says is moving away from the space is one thing, but where are you going? Where are you going? If I invited you to come to my house for lunch this afternoon and bring the lunch with you, ah. if I invited you to do that, what is the first thing you would say? I don't know where you live. That would be a good question. And so, what I would say to you is this. To get to my house, what you need to do is get onto 66. You go along 66 and then you take whatever exit turn off and you go three miles down that road. You're going to turn left on leg long road and you're going to turn right for two and a half. I'm going to give you directions to get there. And so the time comes and it's one o'clock and we're going to Gavin's house for lunch. There are one or two things people can do. You can either follow the directions which will lead you to my house. Or you can just run out of your house saying, I'm going to find my way, wherever it goes. Let's go there. Let's find where we're going. That's why repentance is about faith, not about sin. You see, in both instances, you're going to leave home. The thing is, with one, you have no direction about where you're going. I'm just running away from sin. But with the other one, it gives you direction. I know where I'm going. I'm going where he's calling me. I'm getting redefinition in terms of my life. That's what repentance is all about. It's changing so that I know where I'm going. The problem is you can't just let go of sin because you will grab another one. I used to be such a critical person, but I'm not a critical person anymore. Should I tell you how good I am? I'm excellent at not being a critical person. And so I've just traded criticism for pride. I left home when it came to criticism, but I moved straight into pride. You've got to know where you're going. It's no use sitting saying that repentance is about leaving sin. It's not just about leaving sin. It's moving you to a place where you move into grace. It's about a faith that says it's about transforming my thinking and who I am. It's establishing a new reality on the inside of me. Because when I live from that place, what ends up happening is transformation. And things began to happen in my life. Jesus has provided an incredible amount for us. But there is a difference between what Jesus has provided and the way that I appropriate that. They're not one and the same. Jesus has done a whole bunch of stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean that people walk into that. Walking 
away from sin is not necessarily the same as walking into grace. They are separate things. But it's important that we understand that because it's a difference between life and death. You see, you can leave sin and grab another sin. You've just gone from one problem to another. But when you leave sin and you move into grace, what ends up happening is I'm moving from death to life. I'm changing my life in an area. I'm moving to this place and I'm allowing the good news to give direction to where I'm going. And I, as I allow it to inform my thinking, what ends up happening is I end up with right thinking. When I'm living off a plane of right thinking, what it does is it facilitates the move of the Holy Spirit in that place. And all of a sudden, I encounter power. And power is designed to transform or to relocate my life from where it is and the situation that I find myself in into something new, which is designed by what constitutes my thinking. My beliefs. What have you fallen in love with? He came to preach the gospel, the good news. Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. What is he saying? If you grab a hold of the good news, it'll relocate your life and take you out of where you are and it'll put you into the kingdom. And anytime you live from the kingdom, you live from a place of presence and power. And I promised Abel that I'd be done by half past, which I am. So I'll carry on with this next week. Oh. Father, you want a new subject, Rafa? Oh, you're awesome. Oh. <laughs> Father, we just want to thank you for your goodness. I want to thank you for the incredible price that Jesus paid. And I want to thank you for giving us the gospel, the good news. I want to thank you that as we allow that to give definition to our thinking, it realigns our thoughts so that we step into a place and into a paradigm of right thinking with you. And as we move into that place, I want to thank you, Father, for resurrection power that we can trust and we can rely on to come into and to flood that space in my life and to bring about change and transformation. I want to thank you for the opportunity to live the better life, not the ordinary life, but the life that you've invited us into. I want to thank you for men and women and I want to thank you Holy Spirit just for touching their lives in an incredible way. I pray Holy Spirit that as I spend time with you you will open the good news to them. Give them revelation. Give them understanding and migrate their life from wherever they are into the place of right thinking with you. We thank you for the opportunities of the week ahead and I want to thank you that it is a robust, full, healthy, good prosperous, protected, and healthy week. In Jesus' name, amen.